and maybe you'll even fill it out for me. Maybe you'll do it for 10 of your friends. I mean, that, that's one of the, the, the typical concerns you'll hear. You're this kind of harvesting of ballots where someone will, will just collect ballots of friends and fill them out mm-hmm. for them. Uh, and, and potentially that people uh, who don't live in the district anymore, people who even passed away, might be on the list. And they're going to be mailed a ballot. And it might get filled out by an unscrupulous person, mailed back in. And if the load, local voting commission doesn't have enough people they might even count those votes yeah. you know, they might not carefully scrutinize so is, is he setting in. up a scenario whereby if he loses he's not going to go quietly in november he's going to claim election fraud and this could go on for months uh you know, i think a lot of people are preparing uh mentally and emotionally for the likelihood that if uh, any particular state is close that one side or the other will take legal action to challenge the validity of mailed-in ballots. I think mm-hmm. that's something we, we need to prepare for, again, unless the difference, the margin of difference is so great that it's beyond challenge. Ross, always good to talk to you. That's Ross Feingold, Business Development Director at SafePro Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Asian stocks are surging ahead this morning. The ASX 200 in Australia up almost 1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is jumped one and a quarter percent in the first 15, 20 minutes of trading. Uh, in South Korea, the Cosby is up three quarters of a percent. Uh, and looks like now the Hang Seng is going to add about 80 points or so at the open. Do please stay tuned to Radio 3 for back chat. Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong will be along very, very shortly. The weather forecast mainly fine, apart from one or two showers. Hot during the day, maximum temperature of 32 degrees. And the outlook is for heavy showers, squally thunderstorms later on on Wednesday and first on Thursday. Temperature right now is 30 degrees, 81% relative humidity. It's 8.32, Ben Che has the half-hour news. ...is warning against rushing to judgments after researchers at the University of Hong Kong confirmed that a local man has been infected with COVID-19 for a second time. It's the world's first documented case and suggests some patients may lose their immunity within a few months of recovering from the virus. That would undermine the ability of any vaccine to protect people. But the WHO's Dr. Maria van Kerfhove says other scientists follow, following coronavirus patients have come to different conclusions. There are a number of studies underway following the same individuals over time. These are called longitudinal studies. From the longitudinal studies that are underway, not all of them are published yet, we do see a strong antibody response that stays, that stays at that same level. For the first time in more than a month and a half, new coronavirus infections locally have dropped to single digits. Nine cases were confirmed yesterday. But the Center for Health Protection's Dr. Chuan Shukwan says the outbreak here is still not completely under control because it's not known how four of the patients caught the disease and 10 people have tested preliminary positive for COVID-19. Dr. Chuang says citywide testing, which is set to start next week, could help stop the silent transmission of the virus in the community. We expect there are fewer people in the community that are silent carriers. So uh, the testing may help to find out these carriers and we'll give them treatment and quarantine of uh, the contacts. So the fewer number of cases, it's easier for us to trace and, and quarantine the contacts. President Trump has addressed the Republican National Convention after it nominated him as the party's candidate for the presidential election. To chance of four more years, 
Mr. Trump spoke about his achievements and went on to defend his much-criticized handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. We saved millions and millions of lives. We learned the enemy. We learned all about the invisible enemy, how it affects really people that are older, especially older people, the elderly. And we learned, and most of the country is right now doing very, very well. They've done an incredible job. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. And two topics for a Tuesday. Ted Hoy's private prosecutions and the pandemic's decision on the Legislative Council. Two private prosecutions relating to anti-government protests last year were formally halted yesterday after intervention by the Secretary for Justice. The DOJ said it wouldn't be pursuing the case involving a taxi driver who allegedly rammed protesters with his vehicle in Shamshripo last October, or a traffic police officer who shot a student protester in Saiwanho in November. Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoy had initiated both cases. Prosecutors said there was insufficient evidence to proceed and that the Secretary for Justice believed there was no reasonable prospect of conviction and no case to answer following what's described as an independent police probe. And then from 9 to 9.30, we're going to be talking about the pandemic's decision in LegCo. They say they'll take reference from the results of a public opinion poll. Is that a good idea? Should they stay or should they go? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us. And our telephone number is 233-88266. Join the discussion. 233-88266 is the number. Uh, joining us for our first topic, we have with us now Grenville Cross, former director of public prosecution. And uh, Philip Dykes, who's chairman of the Hong Kong Bar Association. Uh, just before we start that, uh, a couple of uh, interesting emails on unrelated topics. Uh, this is from Mary, first of all, uh, relating to a news story from yesterday. Uh, WSS Engineering Systems Limited and United Construction Manpower Services Limited were each fined $30,000 at West Kowloon Magistrates Court today for violation of the Occupation Self, Self uh, Safety and Health Ordinance. Uh, the prosecutions were launched by the Labour Department. The case involved a fatal accident that occurred in 2017 at a construction site of the Hong Kong Link Road of the Hong Kong Juhai Macau Bridge. Uh, as a result of the accident, two workers died and three others sustained injuries. Mary says, compare the fines for loss of life to the heavy prison sentences for criminal damage that is often nothing more than repairable damage to inanimate objects. Time for some research as to whether the low value placed on human life in our courts and society has any bearing on the violent incidents during the protests that resulted in serious injuries and a few cases loss of life. That comes from Mary. And uh, Paul uh, Zimmerman uh, says this is in response to our discussion uh, yesterday. Uh, by now, it's obvious the government made a deal on mass testing when case numbers were rising. It did not trust its own measures, nor did it trust Hong Kongers to social distance enough to bring the infections back down. But we did. Now the case numbers are down and mass testing has no role to play in turning around an outbreak. Hong Kong government is exposed with a bad contract, which it's unable to cancel or put with the mainland entities involved. To cover up, it is scrambling, making up reasons to proceed, 
speed, like chasing down a few silent temporary carriers, wasting money that could be put to better use, and worse, yet again provoking distrust between the community, government, and whoever is involved in this testing programme. Maybe they should just say, honestly, we really don't need it, but we booked the resources, so let's all participate to prove Hong Kong has cleared the virus yet again. That's the take from Paul Zimmerman. Thanks very much indeed for that. Uh, so, uh, Grenville Cross and Philip Dykes. Philip Dykes, maybe, good morning to you. Thank, thank you for mentioning for for joining us. Uh, what do you make of this? Uh, what's what's happened with these uh, these private prosecutions? It's an unusual kind of uh, an unusual circumstances. It's unusual circumstances, but uh, it does occur from time to time. And uh, the secretary of justice will be obliged to intervene if indeed uh, the, uh, on her view of the evidence and all of the relevant materials. She was of the view that there would be no reasonable process of success. So if that is indeed the case, a proper analysis of the available uh, evidence has persuaded her that it is not likely that there will be a conviction. She's almost obliged to take over. Uh, sorry, obliged to take over in order to discontinue. Um, her decision came after Eastern Court Magistrate found... Ted Ho has produced sufficient evidence to press ahead with the three charges. Um, is, uh, is that an yeah, bit... So I can interrupt. The magistrate would put the material before him and he would be looking, is there a prima facie case? Does it appear that there is a case here that has some substance? That's not the test of analysing the case with a view to a reasonable prospect of success. So the magistrate may have uh, exercised a discretion quite properly on the material put before him, but the Secretary of Justice may have uh, information not available to him, which persuades, um, as I say, the Secretary of Justice that there is not a reasonable uh, process. Now, what that material is, I don't know, but um, uh, that's the way that these, these, these um, cases are analysed. Uh, as I understand it, just say according to kind of press reports, the uh, the Department of Justice said there is no prima facie case. Well, that directly contradicts the the judge who said there was a prima facie case. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, that, that 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 indeed there could be a disagreement about that. But as I say, the standard for a, a, a magistrate uh, accepting an application for a summons and offence like this is is there a case that a prima facie case. So um, generally, you know, aggrieved citizens um, uh, could lodge uh, criminal complaints un under the common law system. But uh, under what circumstances could, you know, these aggrieved citizens establish a prima facie case? Well, they, they, they put before the magistrate such materials they have, as I say. It's not tested by uh, an opponent when you apply, apply for a, a summons. You put the material before the magistrate searches to persuade him that yes, there seems to be a, a case here. Um, he will, he will uh, allow the uh, summons to issue. As I say, there's no determination of the facts at this stage. It's just, is the case sufficiently strong as to permit me to issue a summons to put the person at the end of the summons to the trouble of having to respond to it? Uh, what there also seems to most people to be, frankly, is a massive conflict of interest 
uh, because these demonstrations, these events happened during demonstrations which were, which were aimed and were critical of the administration, the Secretary for Justice and, and, the, and, the, and the government. Um, so for her to throw these out and not even consider the possibility of allowing a private prosecution to consider uh, looks very fishy. <laughs> Well, that, that's a different different problem. Okay. Um, uh, well, let's, the, talk, about, uh, let's uh, talk about that problem. Sorry, the, the Secretary of Justice has had this problem of wearing a political hat and um, you know, taking decisions in the Executive Council which have an impact on um, you know, pub, public order and political issues. And then, I think the prosecutors, because it's been uh, the complaint of, uh, of people for a long time, including, I think, uh, Mr. Cross, that the Secretary of Justice and the Director of Public Prosecutions should have separate, distinct roles, and then the two should meet. So the decisions like this should be taken by the Director of Public Prosecutions, and the Secretary of Justice is kept a long way from it. But that, that's, that's the problem, though, the, the, the perception that you describe, and it, it's there. Uh, yeah, but couldn't that, wouldn't, and shouldn't that be, it, it, just given the current situation, the, the, the burden, I mean, the, the, you should give the emphasis to allowing the private prosecution. You should lean towards that just in the, in sense, in the interest of transparency and allowing it, justice it, to be seen to be known. Yeah, the magistrate, sorry, um, should be mindful on the part of her as uh, responsible public prosecutors to see whether or not it, um, the evidence comes up to the test I've described, which is, can you say honestly, that this has a reasonable prospect of conviction? If not, you're duty-bound to, um, uh, to discontinue. Uh, Grenville Cross, good morning to you. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. What do you make of this, this, uh, these circumstances, this event? So far as I can tell, I mean, the, the Department of Justice has gone about it in the right way. I'm very pleased that they, that they gave some reasons for the, for the decisions that they've taken uh, at the court yesterday, because uh, that will, have, I would hope, provide a measure of reassurance to people that they have taken uh, the relevant matters into account. But obviously, as Philip Dyke said, the Department of Justice does have this uh, power to intervene in an, in an appropriate case uh, and end a, uh, a private prosecution if they consider it to be groundless or frivolous uh, or oppressive. Uh, and uh, it, it would appear from what we said yesterday that the view was taken that the evidence, even when taken at, at its highest, would not establish a, a prime facie case uh, at the halfway point after the prosecutor's evidence had been presented. But, of course, uh, you have to look uh, considerably beyond that because the, the ultimate test for prosecution is whether there is a reasonable prospect of conviction, uh, let alone a prime facie case. Uh, and obviously, having assessed the evidence in the two cases, the Department of Justice took the view that that uh, threshold test uh, couldn't be met. Uh, and in light of that, its obvious duty was to step in uh, and terminate the prosecution. Always. Can, always I, can I ask? Can I ask? Can I ask why? What's What's the harm in allowing the private prosecution to go ahead? Well, that was the point I was going to come on hmm. to, because uh, a, a vital role which the Department of Justice has uh, is to make sure that people aren't put on trial with all the, the trauma that is attendant upon that, uh, unless it is uh, uh, well-grounded. Uh, so in a case where there is no reasonable prospect of conviction, it would be quite wrong for suspects to be put on trial when everyone knows that there's going to be an acquittal at the end of the day. 
So the Department of Justice plays a, a vital role in safeguarding the interests of suspects and ensuring that they do not have to face trial uh, with all the consequences that could be attended upon that uh, unless it is fully justified. Um. Um, it is said that the evidence fell short of establishing that the police officer's use of the revolver had gone beyond what was allowed or empowered by the law. But this is only like in a statement, you know, from um, the Department of Justice. Shouldn't we, uh, you know, as citizens of Hong Kong, be allowed to, to hear the evidence and to really understand and be convinced by it? Well, as I say, under, under, under the common law system uh, throughout the world, the Attorney General or the Secretary of Justice in some places uh, has responsibility for protecting the public interest. And part and parcel of that public interest is what I've just referred to, namely that people should not be put on trial unless there is, at the very least, a reasonable prospect of conviction. And I think, actually, uh, looking at the media report from, from yesterday, uh, it seems that the department looked at the, uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, statements of civilians, of police officers, they looked at a video uh, image which had been captured by car cameras, uh, and they, they also looked at the results of the, the police investigation. And it seems as well that there was, a, there was another factor at play, a very strange factor in this case, that the alleged victim, the man who'd been shot, a man called Mr. Chow, uh, wasn't going to give evidence in the case. Uh, and uh, according to media reports at the time when the case started, this was because there were concerns that uh, his evidence might result in him being incriminated in some other offence. So we had a wholly bizarre situation here, whereby the key witness, the, the victim himself, uh, who, <laughs> who plays a key part in any criminal trial, uh, would not be giving evidence. And so that itself uh, would impinge uh, on the suspect's right to a fair trial. Uh, and, uh, and indeed, he wasn't the only one. There was another person arrested at the scene, apparently, uh, and who, who would also have had a clear view of what happened. Uh, and he also was not going to give evidence for like reasons. So the whole case was very strange. Uh, okay. Do, do you accept that the right of private prosecution is a valuable constitutional safeguard against inertia or partiality on the part of authority? It sounds as though you've been reading my article. I have been reading your article, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've, I've, often, I've often said that, and yes. uh, of course, in, in a meritorious case, it, it's very important that uh, this right should, should exist. Uh, and I was very pleased some years ago when there was some debate whether the right of private prosecution uh, it was uh, discussed about whether it survived the handover in light of Article 63, which uh, vests the control of public prosecution uh, in, the, in the Department of Justice. There was some debate about whether the right of private prosecution had survived that, uh, and the High Court came down uh, firmly in favour of private prosecution uh, and said that it had survived the reunification. Because it seems that inertia and partiality on the part of authority is exactly the problem here, that the authority is at best, you know, a party to this, um, whether it's partial or not, <clears throat> there is obviously that perception. And inertia, well, because there have been no, there's been, the police have been, there have been no consequences for the police. There have been no court cases against, against the police, uh, despite widespread public, dis, you know, uh, perceptions. And so when the police talk, for example, about an independent police probe into, into this case, it's going to, at best, raise a lot of eyebrows, isn't it? Or a lot of people are going to say, frankly, that stinks. So, uh, you know, this is why you have the private prosecutions. If you think that the, if the, the, you think the authorities are, are negligent or, uh, or partial, then you have, this, you have this safeguard. And you talked about the case being meritorious. Well, 
you know, the the judge at least, the initial magistrate thought that there was some merit. They thought it was a prima facie case. So for the Department of Justice to step in and throw it out on the grounds that it has no merit at all, no, not even a prima facie case, you know what I mean? That's naturally going to give rise to concern. We are throwing out numerous points there, you. Yep. Mean, uh, on the on the prime safety case, all the magistrate did was to look at some of the papers which were presented to him, which obviously didn't include the statement of the victim himself, the alleged victim himself, uh, and, and uh, he had to decide whether, on the basis of what was placed in front of him, the ingredients of the offence were prime safety uh, made out, uh, and that is totally different from saying that there is a prime safety case. Uh, after the evidence has actually been heard. Uh, and uh, obviously the Department of Justice, when it decides these cases, uh, has to look at the matter objectively uh, and decide whether this case is, uh, is going to get off the ground. Uh, it has to uh, make its own uh, measured decision, taking, in, in, taking into account the uh, traditional legal principles, and it can't play to the public gallery. It can't say because there is a clamour uh, in, in certain sections of the public for a prosecution. We must accede to that uh, in order to keep people happy. They have to look at the evidence objectively, and they have to place, apply the law uh, to, the, to the evidence. And from what I can tell, obviously I wasn't party to the decision, from what I can tell, uh, they've, they've done exactly that. And as I say, one of the key factors in this case was the absence of the, the man who was shot, Mr Chow, uh, as a witness. Because I've never known a case where a victim is, is available to give evidence, but refuses to give evidence. So that would have been pinched directly uh, on the uh, officer's right to a fair trial. I guess the point would be that, you know, it, it's been described as a valuable constitutional safeguard, but apparently it's, it's completely useless as a safeguard because the, the people in charge can throw it out uh, just because they want to. Well, if they, if, well you always remember this, that uh, if, if they do it for arbitrary reasons without giving a sound a ground for the decisions they've taken, then they can be judicially reviewed, mm. which takes me back to the point I made at the outset, that I'm pleased that they did, did give reasons because so far as I can tell, those reasons are, are legitimate uh, and justify the course they've taken. But if they were to take a decision which was arbitrary, which was perverse, which was unlawful, which defies the traditional prosecution policy guidelines in this area, then, as I say, it would be open to the, uh, to the private prosecutor to challenge the decision that should be made by way of judicial review. Philip Dykes? Yes, I was, I was just going to say that uh, if a person is dissatisfied with the... Um, decision of uh, a public prosecutor to intervene in a private prosecution and believes that that decision is um, uh, flawed in some fundamental way, the solution is to apply for judicial review of that decision. It's not the ma you're not reviewing the magistrate decision, you're reviewing the decision of the prosecutor coming into um, stymie or stifle the case. And the court can uh, say the prosecutor's uh, proceed on the wrong principles and restore the private prosecution. That, that's, that's the answer if you're dissatisfied. Um, on, on can I just correct, can I just correct a bit on that? Please, yeah. yes. Yeah, when there is a judicial review, if a judicial review were to be allowed, then the High Court cannot direct the prosecution to, uh, to proceed. All it can do is ask the Department of Justice to reconsider uh, its decision. So there, there is a difference. Uh, that's quite correct, but the, the effect of the de determination may often be that the um, prosecutor will reconsider and um, back off. In, in these fact, circumstances... I could yeah. I I I never actually remember a case where that happened. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. In these circumstances, uh, you know, uh, if judicial review is lodged, uh, would it be allowed? 
you're asking me? Yes. For... Well, as I, I don't believe it would, because uh, it goes back to what I said earlier on, that uh, it's very important to the Department of Justice when it takes these types of decisions to give clear reasons. Uh, I've already summarized the reasons that were given in relation to the police officer case. Uh, there are similar reasons were given in relation to the, uh, to the taxi driver case, to why the decision had been taken. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, at the very least, it would be hard for uh, a private prosecutor to argue on judicial review that these, uh, that these decisions, which were apparently based on the evidence available to the Department of Justice, were in any way flawed. Uh, okay, uh, an email from Anthony who says, Hugh, you are wrong. There have been cases that police have been convicted on various criminal charges in the past year when there is sufficient evidence. Um, can you remind me, Anthony? Sorry if there are, if there are relating to the public order uh, events last year. Uh, Andrew Kay says, perhaps Mr Hoy could be asked to explain why he is involved in private prosecutions. Why is he pushing these cases? Publicity? Uh, question mark. Uh, I think, well, I think... what. Uh, Ted Hoy's point would be that the, there has been no public action, so he's forced to do these these private prosecutions, uh, and uh, and now these have and now these have failed. Um, uh, Grenville Cross, I've I got to say, I don't know if this actually was going to do much for kind of restoring confidence in the Department of Justice. Uh, do you understand that? Uh, and you know, how would you resolve that? How would you address that? Because um, well, a lot of people will say, well, this was a, to be honest, this, this was a political move by Ted Hoy, and it was an equally political move by, by the uh, Secretary for Justice to, to, to throw it out. It's, it's dressed up in whatever legal, legal language, um, but it's, uh, frankly, it's, poli it's political on both sides. Well, I mean, people can certainly say that, but mm. I mean, <laughs> the, the role of the Department of Justice is to independently assess the evidence, uh, and if possible, to give reasons for their decision. Uh, if, if the Department of Justice is transparent and open uh, about its uh, decision-making process, then I would have thought that goes a long way towards uh, reassuring the public and indeed the, the private prosecutor himself. The legitimate reasons have, uh, have uh, uh, been brought to bear upon the decision-making process. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what's happened here. Fairly detailed reasons have been given. Uh, and it's hard to see, frankly, how the Department of Justice uh, could have gone any further. Uh, it's showing that it was applying uh, like criteria to the, to the decisions it was taking. But, but we have learnt that, that private prosecutions are no safeguard against some authority, uh, abuse by authority, they, because authority can always completely override them, kick them out. Well, if they've, if they've got good reasons, yes. If the, if the prosecution... Uh, and, they, and they decide... But they decide whether they've got good reason or not. Well, yes, and they have to have they give their reasons, and then people can see whether they are good reasons or not. And if they're not good reasons, they could be challenged on judicial review. But as I say, clear reasons have been given, apparently, on this occasion in relation to both cases. And I would be surprised if uh, these decisions would be overturned on judicial review because the correct criteria appears, appears to have been applied. Um, there, there were actually uh, two cases. Uh, the first one uh, was the um, uh, police officer who shot a protester, and the second one was a taxi driver who was accused of ramming a crowd of demonstrators. And um, uh, uh, a young lady was uh, uh, had suffered serious fractures to both legs. So, um, I mean, we, we talked about the first case. In the second case, um, I'm, I, I didn't read anything about, um, you know, that young lady, um, you know, willing to be a witness or not. I mean, assuming that uh, she was willing to be a witness, uh, would, would, that, um, would that have a, you know, different story? Well, I mean, no one disputes, obviously, that the, the, the lady was injured. 
But the question was whether the, whether the, uh, whether the uh, driver, Mr. Chain, was driving uh, dangerously in the circumstances. And again, looking at the media reports uh, that were given yesterday, the, the DOJ had before it uh, statements from four members of the, of the, the public, obviously the, the driver, Mr. Cheng himself. They looked at CCTV footage, uh, and they also looked at an audio recording between the driver, Mr. Cheng, uh, and the taxi company and, and other drivers. So all this information would have been considered by the Department of Justice in the round, uh, and that would have presumably led them to the conclusion that there was not a reasonable prospect of conviction uh, on the available evidence. Uh, okay. they, but but Ted Ho was permitted to charge a taxi driver with dangerous driving. I mean, that's a, my, uh, a less uh, serious offence. So, so, uh, well, yeah, but, 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 so having, having studied all the evidence which I've, which I've described, the, the, the DOJ apparently took the view that the evidence wasn't uh, as such as to establish that he'd, he'd driven dangerously. Okay. Uh, it's just a couple of uh, quick questions from this is from Alan who says uh, Grenville Cross as always finds ways to justify whatever oppressive action the government takes. Eighty percent of Hong Kong will conclude not that the case is not meritorious, but that the government has simply affirmed that the police can act with impunity, that they are above the law. It destroys all respect for the law. It's taking away the vote, it destroys the legitimacy of the administration. All these actions to remove any check to government and pretensions to two systems. That comes. Uh, from uh, Alan. Anthony says there is a private prosecution against RTHK's chief but was dropped by the court. Isn't it the testament of the fall of the rule of law? Uh, and TC says, I think we should ask Mr. Dead Body about what he thinks about Hong Kong's rule of law again. How is there any rule of law when the person who intentionally drove a taxi into a crowd of protesters don't get charged with attempted murders and receive half a million dollars from sympathisers? To some of your Blue Ribbon supporters, e.g. Andrew Kay, who constantly ask Yellow Ribbon figures to condemn anti-government protesters, I find their silence in incidents such as this taxi diver and Yun Long will be deafening. And now asking whether the likes of Andrew Kay will condemn this attempted murder. Uh, that's from uh, TC. Well, thank you to both our guests this morning, to uh, Philip Dykes, Hong Kong Bar Association Chairman, and Grenville Cross, former Director of Public Prosecutions in Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. We're going to be talking about the Democrats' decision uh, after the news at nine with uh, two uh, legislators. Hope you can join us for that. 30 degrees now, humidity. Trump has denounced the investigation as politically motivated. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. In the first part of the programme this morning, we were talking about uh, the uh, decision to uh, uh, stop the proceedings of those uh, those private prosecutions by uh, Ted Hoy uh, involving the protests uh, last year. We were talking about that with Grumble Cross and Philip Dykes. We're turning to uh, the uh, LegCo decision now and uh, the fate of the uh, Democrats, the pan-democratic camp uh, in LegCo, now that the election have been postponed and there's an additional period of a year. The Democrats still deciding how to uh, proceed. Uh, we join now by Fernando Chung, who's the Labour Party lawmaker. Wu Chi Wai, chairman of the Democratic Party, I think will be joining us later, we hope. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts as well, your questions and your comments. Uh, 233-88266 is our telephone number. You can email backchat at rthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Um, and uh, comment there, uh, just related to our discussion in the first part. Anthony says, Philip, that's addressing Philip Dykes, have you listened to the recordings and CCTV before going for the private prosecution? 
uh, and uh, Anthony did say that um, uh, he, whether there had been any prosecution of, of policemen uh, in relation to uh, those protests, uh, Anthony and Anthony said there had been, and I said I couldn't recall that. Uh, Anthony says, Hugh, do you remember two police constables who beat up the arrested person in a hospital last year? The two police constables were convicted. Don't just be blinded by the warped perception created by the mainstream media. That comes uh, from uh, Anthony. Anthony, I think that, that that case had nothing to do with the with the protests. It, it happened in June. Um, and the guy was, uh, by all reports, a drunk, uh, elderly individual. There was no suggestion. In fact, uh, looking at press reports, which explicitly said there was no connection to uh, the uh, police, to, to the uh, to the protests, uh, which is the, the point I was making. Uh, yes, there have been policemen who have been prosecuted for, for uh, wrongdoing uh, in the interim, but uh, none that I know of. Correct me if I'm wrong in relation to to the uh, to their behaviour during the the protest, which is the the issue uh, at hand. Uh, Fernando Chung, good morning to you. Good morning. Ian. Thank you so much indeed for for joining us. Um, so let's just clarify: how is this decision going to be made? How are you going to? How is the pandemic camp going to sort this out? Um, some of us are resorting to a um, opinion poll, um, and that we would be bound by the results of the opinion poll. Uh, the Democratic Party has uh, already contacted uh, Dr. Chung, Robert Chung, uh, and his institution. And I think he's going to collaborate with um, COHK's Professor Li Lilanfeng, uh, who's also an expert in polling. Um, uh, I think Dr. Chung has recommended two thresholds. Uh, one is that if uh, the uh, entire population, uh, meaning that the re general results of the uh, poll indicated that over half of them would ask us to step down, uh, then, you know, some of uh, the legislators would do so. The other threshold is that if two-thirds of the Democratic supporters would ask us to step down, that some of us would follow. For me personally, um, I would look at the Democratic supporters and I would use the two-third threshold. Uh, so, yeah, that's for me. But uh, I'm not sure about the rest of them. But for Democratic Party and Civic Party, as I learned, uh, they would accept either or. I think that's the current status. Mm. Uh, Fernando, what's wrong uh, if uh, each uh, pandemic electrical member uh, makes his own his or her own decision? Uh, well, you don't belong to one party, so surely everybody, you know, has their own thoughts. Right. Now, of course, I would like to see us uh, moving to, or making decisions together, which I've been trying very hard to um, ask everybody to stick together. Um, but in the end, I think each party has their own considerations. Um, and I think this is the result of it. Um, Democratic Party and Civic Party are sticking together. Uh, there are some of us who are also um, basically sticking with the two parties. There are other uh, outstanding ones. Uh, primarily, I think, are the uh, 
functional constituency legislators. Uh, I think many of them have a responsibility of answering or being accountable to their own constituency, and therefore, if they have conducted their own uh, the survey within their constituency, uh, they might follow that, uh, such as what Kenneth Vorong has done. But uh, people like Eddie Chu um, has um, already said um, he would not like to get back into LegCo, right? And so there, yeah. there's another one. Um, at, at the end of the day, um, this is a, this is a tactic. Uh, and the um, the main point is, I've read uh, a number of articles that um, you know, pan Democrats uh, should not be divided by th these decisions. But we we see a, a lot of um, uh, discussions now and a lot of uh, divisions uh, in what you think already. Yeah, so, well, I I think that's unfortunate. So the camp is I now divided, right? Yeah, in terms of this decision, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think from the very beginning, there are two thoughts about it. One um, uh, being uh, from Eddie Ju and Chen uh, Chun, who favor leaving. Um, and many of us are standing on the other side uh, who favor staying. So in the very beginning, there are already uh, a, a division there. And uh, I try to ask everybody to follow a, um, a poll. Um, it took a while before uh, people have come to that conclusion. And of course, it's still not complete yet. So that's how you have you know, seen things being involved in the, evolved in the past couple of weeks. Uh, different, different parties, different individuals, are making their own decisions. And yes, it is um, not uh, something that we have uh, been able to agree to stick together uh, as, a, as one block. Okay. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. Our number is 233 It's Anthony. Anthony, good morning. Hi, good morning, Hugh. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think that is quite interesting because when the first poll was uh, goes against uh, the instincts of the so-called pan demolition camp, they scrutinize it closely, and, uh, and and even though the evidence is quite overwhelming, they refuse to believe it, and that's why they need to have a second one, which is a set, uh, adjusted one, hoping that they can have a result that may have them to stay. Is that there's something quite hilarious uh, for people? Uh, who, who claim that they go for democracy and they they, they work for the people and, and, they, and they fight for the people? That's so, what I, I want uh, uh, him to address. Well, sure, yeah. I, I, I think um, uh, that is perhaps your perception. But from my end, for example, um, I, from the very beginning, think that um, we should stay. It is a very divisive Topic. It is something that people have uh, two extremes. Um, for me, first and foremost, this one-year uh, extension of LegCo is unconstitutional. It is basically illegal, and and that makes it easy for anyone to say, "Well, why bother uh, being part of an illegal structure?" This is uh, something that fundamentally cannot be accepted. 
then people have to, uh, for myself, I have to struggle uh, in that if I should leave, what would happen? Um, and we know for sure that the government, the regime, is going to do a lot of bad things, much like what they have done at the return of sovereignty in 1997, uh, where they have established a provisional legislature. And uh, they further restricted the freedom of assembly. And also, uh, they further restricted um, the freedom of association. And they repealed the law that gave power for collective bargaining to trade unions. They can do a lot of things. And for sure, in this coming year, they would allow people to vote in the I think I think yeah, Mr. Chung. I think the question is really about is about the so, about how yeah. you make up your how you make that decision. And right. you know, you so, you say you're going to public poll the public, but then you got yeah. the result you don't like, and so you throw it out and you say, well, let's no, try again. Uh, no, I, I, that's not true. Uh, from the get go, I I said we should look at the poll. Uh, the poll from the um, Mr. Chung, the Don, Dr. Chung, hasn't even come out, and. Um, it came up already. You're lying. No, no, no. That, you know that, what? Yeah, as, as long as you want to stay, no matter the poll, what it is, you can still stay. You don't need to care about the poll, right? Because you have independent thinking. You're not like David Cameron, who doesn't decide if Britain should exit uh, Europe and, left and leave it hands to the referendum, right? You have your own individual thinking. Why bother the poll? As long as you think it's, it's the right to do it, right? Now, uh, the poll... Don't be led the by question the, the poll majority. Whether, you have your independent whether, thinking, Dr. Chung. Look, uh, Anthony, the, the question in the poll... Is the question is, why do you want to stay in even though the poll is against you? If you well, are it's, a, not, it's not to against me or against anybody. The poll uh, gave an indication of the general tendency of the people. Now, uh, we haven't decided as uh, a political party. How many days you need to you are Wait, wait, wait Han- Anthony, okay. hang on, hang on. It just need a few seconds to do it, right? Stop. Uh, well, no, uh, uh, you don't decide after a poll is shown to you. You could do that, but we want to do it more like a referendum. In that you know, it is impossible to do an actual referendum. And Hong Kong would be like so the, we Brit- want uh, to the, the British going up being practice, right? Because of the referendum, you, you're incapable of making any, any decision. You have to rely on the referendum. And why people choose not, you? Because not true. they're not able to make the decision they want. You want to make no, the decision for them. I, I made it very clear. Uh, now, I, I, from the get-go, I, 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 said I, I, we should stay, okay? It is not that I cannot make that decision. But as a politician, as someone who has to be accountable to the population, I cannot completely ignore public opinion. But I am very strong in my judgment. I think I should definitely stay in terms of my responsibility. But I want to make it a united decision. And therefore, I advocated for a public opinion poll and use that as a referendum. But because we all have our uh, tendency, I set the line at two-thirds, which was explained by Dr. Jones. He 
he is completely independent academician. Anthony, do you, do you think that uh, the pandemic should uh, should not go back to let's go in the next year? Okay, if yes, then yes. Don't be like a uh, who, who can't make a decision. Uh, we tend to uh, we, we want to say, but it depends on this and that. But okay, they are uh, adults, they're human beings, they're Homo sapiens, right? They can make their own decision. If they're smart people, right? They're, they're not the slaves of the gullible majority, right? If that is the case, why we need to elect some smart people, right? Everybody can do it. Should or should not? It is not a matter of uh, smart being smart or not. Uh, I think it is an act of being accountable. I've made my judgment, and it's a political judgment. um, There's really... No, nothing right or wrong here. And I made a judgment, right? but I said to you the public, to unite people, all right? You, go, you don't need to come out uh, come, um, over uh, of this and speaking like this, uh, kind of defending the poll. You just need to just stay there. That's, it. That's good enough, right? And Anthony, um, can, I, can I just ask you kind of an only slightly related question? Uh, I remember when this first came up and the decision to, uh, you know, Beijing didn't rule on whether uh, the, uh, you know, these the, those legislators could would be thrown out or not. Uh, was handing it back to the and handing things back basically to to the Democrats. And I remember Alan Lung and others saying that this was a very smart move because it would sow discord in the pan-democratic camp. It would expose the the gap, the differences basically between you know whatever you want to call them, the localists and the and the sort of traditional pandems. Do you think that's true? Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that that was a politically smart move? And that this is the what we're seeing now is the is that discord that it's uh, that it provoked.
Well, Fernando, it's not just about the money, right? Um, let, let me put another question to Fernando. I read somewhere, you know, um, that uh, young people are, are actually uh, putting uh, up different proposals. For example, you know, if you're staying, if you're going back, um, can you donate um, a certain uh, portion, percentage of your salary to the movement, to the cause? And can you go to the prison and visit those jailed more often? Um, they actually make making these very uh, interesting suggestions. I don't know whether you've read them. Um, so it is really not a, a matter of um, yes or no. Um, and, and I think your, your uh, decision is pretty clear. You want to stay, but then you want to um, you know, look at the pose. It seems that you, you are in a dilemma yourself. No, I'm not in a dilemma. Um, I have made my decision rather clearly, I mean my judgment, I should say. Um, and I've given reasons for that. Um, I, I had an article um, in Stan News uh, last night, and I think there's much to be done in LegCo, um, and that, uh, that at least we should not have a void there and, and not have an opposition voice in LegCo. Uh, we we could uh, continue to use electrical as a platform, uh, hold public hearings, uh, receive complaints, and, and we solve a lot of problems for uh, the, the citizens of Hong Kong. Um, and now we we would uh, want to be accountable to the public as well. The, the whole thing is very split. It's very divided. People have strong opinions on one way or another. So we cannot simply say uh, that, yes, it's a judgment that I have made, and I'm not going to listen to the people. As you said, people have uh, a lot of good suggestions, and I've read them. Uh, I discussed these with them. I think many are very good suggestions. Um, and I, I, we want to make it clear uh, that there is a threshold that we would uh, be bind by that, uh, using that poll as uh, a referendum. And I think this is really democracy. Uh, we have made a judgment, uh, but we want the, the public, uh, especially our supporters, as I mentioned earlier, I would look at uh, our supporters, and if two-thirds of them, which I think is a landslide, would ask me to uh, decide the other way, uh, something that I don't think should be done. I would com conform. I would comply. So uh, that's what, what about the money? Anthony was saying... I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, if I was saying... <laughs> ridiculous. Related to money, uh, a lot of us could have made much more on the outside. Uh, I still remember I mean, when the pandemic asked, uh, asked the chief executive and other people to donate their salaries, when they were asked to donate their own salaries. Come on, come on, Anthony. Come Gary on, Lam okay. Is the so second no highest earning mayor in no the world. And he, she's not even the leader of a country. So, I mean, and how about so called uh, legislators? The, the way our officials are being paid is scrupulous. And, and you don't want to uh, talk about money. How and much money are you being yourself, paid? It's a different story. How much are you <laughs> being paid? Tell me your salary, Anthony. Tell me your salary. It's public money. It's public money. Tell me your salary. Tell, why are you uh, is it about salary? money? 
Fernando Chung was going to leave, wasn't he? He was going to um, give up that money. Yeah, that was yeah, that I, was his I, plan. I didn't run for re-election. Sorry, I didn't run for re-election. I yeah. stepped down. So why are you still there? How much are you being paid by Hong Kong people? Let let people know. Are, are you shy? About I told you already. I told you already. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, okay, Anthony. Many, many thanks for calling two three three eight eight two six six. Very interesting to hear from you. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, so a few uh, comments from other comments from listeners. Uh, R says, "Why do the pan Democrats have to stick together by everyone doing the same thing? Why can't they stick together by acknowledging that they all want the same ultimate goal? There are different views about how and different ways to achieve it, and they can respect each other, taking the individual actions." which are right for them. That comes uh, from R. Uh, and Karen says the Democrats need to stay. If they leave, they will leave Hong Kongers at the mercy of the Quislings. If you leave, the worry is that those in power will never let you back in again. Don't fall for their traps. Stay put for the sake of Hong Kong. That comes from, uh, that is from Karen. Thank you very much in, in, indeed for that. Uh, uh, once again, backchat.rthk.hk is, is, is our email address. Um, do, do you, Fernando Chung, do you agree with R that um, you could have the same ultimate goal uh, but then have different ideas about how to achieve it? Yeah, I think that's um, democracy, right? People do have different opinions about achieving the same goal. And um, I, re I agree with uh, the message that you you have just read, yeah, I, I wish we could stick together, and I think it is important to stick together on this decision because if we're being divided, um, and that if we break up, especially between the emerging forces, the younger folks, the people who have won in the primary, uh, they think that we should step down. Uh, I think we we lack that trust and we lack that communication between the, the emerging forces and the older forces, the, um, perhaps the older generation of legis legislators here. Uh, many of us are stepping down. We have not planned to continue this, to uh, stay on uh, forever. We, we want the younger people to come on. Uh, but I think um, it is unfortunate. Fernando, that, uh, it's yeah. just one year. Uh, it yeah. has also been suggested that you could hire some of those uh, younger people who won in the primaries um, right. as um, you know officers in your you know in your camp or you know in your employ. Yeah. All of these can be considered. I think uh, we should work together. 
So you know, as they yeah. say, you know, be water. You know, you can you can stick together as a camp, but then you can make different decisions, and everybody can respect you know each other's decision. Yeah, right? I think that's 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 what's happening right now. Is that? Uh, I I think you know we citizens uh, looking from the outside think that you are you are really quarrelling and um, you're not um, you know re- really trying to to find um, uh, a consensus. Uh, uh, you know, with different opinions. Yeah, well, uh, as to the decision of whether to stay or not, uh, it is quite obvious that there isn't a consensus. But about the the goal and also what we have to do if we stay, or, um, you know, there, there, it is less clear as to if, uh, what we can do if we all leave Mexico, uh, what, that, what would happen on the outside, whether we can um, establish a shadow uh, cabinet, a shadow electrical, uh, we, uh, we're not sure. And, and that's why I want to stay and uh, be a stronghold here and make sure that all these uh, draconian measures and laws would not be passed so easily. All right. Um, a couple of comments. Uh, Martin in an email, I think echoing what, uh, some things that Anthony had said. Martin says, the whole opinion poll is a smokescreen to create the impression of a democratic decision. Meanwhile, Fernando Chung and the Democrats already made up their minds. They want to stay on in Legico because the money, prestige and power are simply too good. Where else in the world can you get these perks just by being elected by a few thousand votes, pretending to represent all Hong Kong people and then rejecting every government proposal? None of the pandemics was even willing to donate part of their pay to a charitable cause during the COVID crisis, like many business people or government officials have done. That uh, comes from uh, Martin. And uh, some comment on our Facebook page. TC says, in regards to the polls, I disagree with the idea of holding a poll to decide. If it's the position among non-establishments that the MPCSE's decision is is illegitimate, then using a poll to decide whether to participate is inappropriate. Also, the non-establishment's idea of unanimity is problematic. This shows that they're afraid to make potentially unpopular but yet correct decisions. Wong Yuk Man once made a statement about how pan-democrats and non-establishments, by extension, should believe they should be united because they think the same and not for the and not the same for the sake of being united. Thanks very much indeed for that, and thank you to our guest uh, Fernando Chung, uh, Labour Party lawmaker. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Just a little bit more comment, uh, I think, uh, related to the. Uh, the, the, I, the discussion about the private prosecutions. Uh, Matthew says on Facebook, if you see the posts of a certain self-proclaimed middle road, very regular now, now somewhat quieter, back chat contributor in other more blue public pages and groups, it's clear his reasonable middle-of-the-road persona is especially for us. I'm not sure who you're referring to there, Matthew. Uh, okay, and uh, TC says the SJ's behaviour is the reason why so-called vigilance justice is so common. I'm not justifying this action, simply why such phenomena exists. That's from uh, TC. David says rejection of Ted Hoy's private prosecutions related to last year's protests by the Justice Secretary was the right decision. The legal system should not be used to score political points and to settle personal vendettas. We all know that Ted Hoy has no ethics, morals, nor compassion from his historical actions. That's from uh, David. Uh, And uh, Andrew F. says, I'm delighted 
to see these obviously completely politically motivated cases thrown out. There was no bottom of a barrel too deep that Ted Hoy wouldn't climb in and gleefully scrape. The taxi driver case was particularly disgusting, or the video evidence clearly shows what happened in that case. Uh, the Hong taxi driver, the Hong Kong civilian, who is every bit as much a victim of the thugs who hijacked his taxi, causing it to career out of control, as is the poor girl who had her legs crushed. Uh, where is Ted Hoy's sense of justice for that uh, Hong Kong citizen? Ted Hoy should be facing prosecution himself for wasting police time and the abuse of police funds while in office. This clown's antics are taxpayer-funded, I'll remind you. That is uh, from uh, Andrew F. Thank you very much indeed for uh, uh, all your uh, uh, views uh, expressed uh, this morning and to uh, Anthony for giving us a call uh, as well. That's what we like to hear. Uh, Ada, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we'll be back at 8.30 tomorrow as ever, leaving you now with the weather, mainly fine. A couple of showers around, very hot during the day, temperatures up to 33 degrees. The outlook showers heavy at times. There will be squally thunderstorms later on Wednesday and at first on Thursday. There's a very hot weather warning now, 30 degrees. Degrees, relative humidity, 79%. The 2018 Banknotes series incorporates advanced security features. Besides having an embossed feel, each note has a dynamic shimmering pattern, as well as windowed metallic thread. Both display shimmering rings, which appear to move around when a note is tilted. The location of each security feature is uniform across the notes of all denominations. To authenticate the new banknotes, simply use your eyes. The security features are clear at a glance. This information is provided by the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. And 34, the news with Ben Che. The World Health Organization is warning against rushing to judgment after researchers at the University of Hong Kong confirmed that a local man has been infected with COVID-19 for a second time. It's the world's first documented case and suggests some patients may lose their immunity within a few months of recovering from the virus. That would undermine the ability of any vaccine to protect people. The Executive Council is due to meet shortly, with a discussion on coronavirus social distancing measures expected to be high on the agenda. A series of measures including a ban on dining in restaurants after 6 o'clock in the evening and compulsory masking are due to expire at midnight. Yesterday, Hong Kong reported just seven local cases of COVID-19, the lowest figure in more than a month. And President Trump has made an unscheduled appearance at the opening day of the Republican National Convention to claim the Democrats are working to steal the U.S. elections in November. He warned without giving evidence that Democrats plan to rig the contest. I'll have more news at 10. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello, Phil. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. Good morning.